don't tell me it didn't happen. Okay, I won't tell you. Good. Honey, you have to say it in time. It's like, you're like three, two, one, point five. Honey, stop nagging. Point two five, go. You're the nagging. Stop whining. Honey, men don't nag. You whine. Women nag. That's not true. <laughs> I'm the tolerant one. You're the one who's nagging every day. Nagging about what? About your room, about your situation. It's a dire situation. Rules are rules. You must follow. So, I've already discussed this at length with Sana, but we're going to discuss it again because I think that there is a really... Hidden within this really weird and interesting kind of crazy story, I think is an important lesson that anybody in podcasting or sales or marketing or whatever, any any type of persuasion, uh, any any profession or or craft or whatever that requires any type of persuasion, I think can take something from this story that Asana and I are going to tell in this episode. So, uh, should I? Should we have some playful banter, like make fun of each other before we get into the story, or should we just get right into it? No, honey, I actually missed you playing some trumpet. Why don't you play something for us? Right now? Right now. No, I'm not going to play something for you right now. Right now. <sighs> okay, I, I, I guess anything goes on this show, so I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world. I have I have been actually practicing a few things. What would you like to hear? Play your best shot. I don't know that song. Play your play your favorite song. I don't know the one that you were practicing. Okay, I will play for you and people listening in. This is the trumpet solo from American in Paris by George Gershwin. Yay! Okay, let me get. My horn out, get my headphones off, get set, and then I'll play it. Hang on. Okay, this is the trumpet solo from American in Paris by George Gershwin. Was the puppy singing along? Yeah, before you even start. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I have. Let me tell you this story, honey. When I moved to um, uh, North Carolina, this is like the summer of 2016, right? And I wasn't really active as a trumpet player. I was right out of the military, and I was really hard into podcasting. That was like that's that's really where where my focus was but I had this idea to call the principal trumpet player with the North Carolina Symphony in Raleigh and um, my purpose wasn't like to 
market myself for a job or anything or lobby to be a sub with the orchestra or any that wasn't my goal it was just wanted to talk shop with a trumpet player right <laughs> so i just called him up and said hey do you want to I, I this is totally out of the dark do you want to get together and just uh, chew the fat or whatever just just say hello yeah she says yeah sure come on over to my house sometime so i go over it's I don't know, twenty minute drive from where I was living, and I bring my horn, and he just says, "Okay, play something for me." And what I didn't realize was he was like vetting me to play with the symphony, and I, I it didn't even occur to me that that I would be lobbying for a job. Oh wow! And and so I played that piece, that solo. <laughs> but he he just said, "Well, that was um, well, that was interesting. It sounded really good." <clears throat> But I, he was expecting me to play um, one of the standard orchestral excerpts that you play in auditions, mm-hmm. um, like the pictures at an exhibition or um, Petrushka or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't even it didn't even occur to me that I was lobbying for a job. But um, that's just how green I was at the time. I, I guess it makes sense in hindsight if you call the principal trumpet player of the local symphony that you'd be lobbying for. Uh, to be to be called for to be put on the sub list and and hopefully get a job. So did he get and a they job? They actually ended up. Yeah, he he said I'll put a good word in for you with the management, and they actually called me for a few gigs. That was <laughs> didn't even occur to me that I <laughs> that I'd be lobbying for a, a, a spot on the substitute list with the symphony. So that worked out interesting, but that uh, reminded me of that story because I played that that. Uh, that piece for him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So he w- he just he didn't want to just <laughs> sit and listen to me play. He was like, "Okay, make some good use of my time." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, James, how's your life in quarantine? Well, I'm halfway through with it, Sana, and um, I, I I guess I would knew that it was coming, and I, and I didn't know exactly what to expect except that I was going to be alone and isolated from other human beings for two weeks but you can't really know how it's going to go until you actually experience it and thus far it's been uh, it's not like there has been any surprises <clears throat> uh, but I will say that I am I don't know if impressed is the word but the host the hotel staff is very very committed to <laughs> enforcing the rules that they have and one of the rules is um, you're not allowed to leave your room under any circumstances unless it's a dire emergency and um, I've been in contact with the hotel s- staff the sales manager or whatever whatever it is just trying to reason with them saying look you know I, I get it. I get that COVID is a thing, and I, I, I get that you want to keep COVID out of Vietnam. I understand that. But, you know, I staying in, staying in a room, a, a hotel room, for two weeks straight and not being allowed to leave is a little bit extreme. I mean, <clears throat> sure, you may or you may not uh, succeed in keeping COVID out of out of Vietnam with with these measures but at what cost you know you 
when you're it, when you're basically in solitary confinement for two weeks, you are at risk of you're, you're kind of putting your mental health. Um, it, it's affecting your mental health a little bit. And I was trying to reason with them, and so uh, this morning, and this is something I did. I actually did this yesterday morning, and it was much earlier in the morning than I did it this morning, which is maybe what made the difference. But yesterday morning, I just went out in the hallway, <clears throat> and I just walked the hallway from end to end. It's 36 steps, and my my gate is, I don't know, 18, 20 inches, so do the math, whatever. It's, I don't know, maybe 50 feet or something. And um, I just walked the hallway over and over and over, probably... I don't know, a hundred times, however many times I did it for 25 minutes. And I felt good. I felt like, oh, okay, so I can't go outside. I can't like put my bare feet on the grass or anything, but at least it's something. At least I'm not just jumping rope or doing these stretch bands. At least I'm actually walking. So I did it yesterday and it was about four o'clock in the morning and it wasn't any, any big deal. And there's security cameras on each floor, but no one said anything. So I did the same thing this morning. Well, <laughs> this morning I did it about 6 a.m. And apparently they have more people monitoring the um, the security cameras at 6 a.m. than at 4 a.m. Because it wasn't five minutes after I started walking the hallway that someone came up with their space suits and their hazmat suit and their face mask and their goggles and their gloves. <laughs> like, you have to go back to your room. Well, first he, he went, got me a face mask, and, so, and he just said, you're not allowed to be here. You need to go back to your room. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I was, I was upset because you're just, you're just cooped up in your room for, I've been here for a full week now, and I just want to get some exercise because you, you, have, you have to get exercise, otherwise your mental health declines, right? That's all I want. Nobody else is in the hallway. It's, it's just me. And so they, whatever. So I, I go back in. I do jump rope a little bit, little stretch bands, whatever. Take a shower. And um, later in the morning, the phone rings, and it's the hotel manager. <laughs> and he said, Mr. Newcomb. And he's like, he's like interrogating me on the phone, right? He said, um, were you, did you break the rules of the... <laughs> hotel that's that's, funny. That's, he's, he said it exactly like that like i like i'm i'm feeling the bright lights of this interrogation room he said did you break the rules and i'm you know i'm not i'm no dummy i just said what are you talking about and uh or something like that did you he said break did you break the rules by leaving the room or walking outside your room or something like that and i said did you see me do this and he said yes on the hotel camera I said, okay. <laughs> and so, and I can't remember exactly what he said. I didn't record it, but it was recent enough that I can recall most of it. Basically, in essence, he said, would you like to leave the hotel and go to the army barracks for the quarantine, to do the rest of your quarantine? <laughs> and he said, if you want help, I will help you leave the hotel today and get you to the army barracks so you can do the rest of your quarantine. <laughs> he said um he said um we called the the local authorities and they said that we should send you to the army barracks 
to do your quarantine, which I think is a load of you-know-what. But So these people are threatening me. They're threatening to basically put me in prison because I walked outside of my room, walked the corridor so I could get some exercise. Nobody else was within 50 feet of me. I'm not putting, even if I had COVID, there's no way anyone is, is possibly at risk of, transmi- of, of acquiring it from me. But it's all about following the rules, right? They have their rules. And what I wanted to, um, I, I think the lesson that we can take from this is as extreme as they are and as unreasonable as they are, you have to tip your, you have to give credit where credit is due. They, at least they're committed to their rules, you know? You can respect that at least they're consistent. They're not like giving the American a free pass. Everybody follows these rules and they, they enforce this for everybody. If you're doing some sort of business or ministry or, or whatever, a podcast, be, con- be committed to it. Be consistent. You don't have to be unethical. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to go on a petty power trip like the hotel manager did. I'm not talking about like that. But there is a lesson in this experience is that sometimes what other people think is fanatical is you just being committed. And people don't like that because they're not committed to something and they see commitment in, in you and they're going to say, well, you're a fanatic. You're being unreasonable. Well, I'm not being unreasonable. I'm just doing what I have to do to feed my family or to build my business or what, or, or what have you. So as unpleasant as it was, and it was unpleasant, and um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to pretend that I harbor any good feelings towards the hotel management over this incident, as unpleasant as it was, there is something to, to glean from it. And that, I think, is just, just be committed to the point that people think that you're being unreasonable. Honey, I think what? when the manager called you, you should have told him to send those uh, people wearing space attire to come and clean your room. <laughs> yeah, they make me vacuum my room. <laughs> what are we paying, like 100 bucks a night, 120 bucks a night? Yeah, something like that. For this place? Sheesh. In Vietnam, that's really expensive. We're paying, like, premium rates, and uh, I'm vacuuming my own room. And I've got all this traffic noise that you can probably hear in the background. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, honey? I didn't hear you. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the story that I told about uh, the hotel manager and enforcing these rules? Yeah, I agree with you what you said. I like everybody is so consistent and uh, they, they persistently impose the rules and everybody is committed to follow the rules. Uh, but at the same time, if I was the general manager of this hotel, I would register my hotel at government as a quarantine hotel, but also provide medical people to come in and uh, maybe training nurses to create areas where, uh, you know, the quarantine guests can exercise or do some sort of a physiotherapy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, not only the room. I mean, I understand quarantine means you have to stay in one place isolated, but 
nobody said stay in one room and make sure there is a padlock behind the door and not the guest is not supposed to leave. Right. If you are, if you, I mean, quarantine started from my country. When Ibn Sina created quarantine, he wanted to isolate the person who already has a disease so that person does not um, spread the disease to healthy people. And mm-hmm. he had, this is like centuries back, and he had people who were trained in medicine, pharmaceutical industry, who would give physiotherapy, um, give mental, you know, some sort of exercise to the patient so they don't go mad. I mean, you're trying to heal the person, but at the same time, you're causing other, you know, complications. Like you said, the mental health of a person, <laughs> the guest right. is in danger. Exactly. So I guess these people are, I should not say this, but they're in a third world country. Their education system is, I don't know, broken somewhere. So they mm. probably think, uh, oh, okay, so my hotel is not earning. And I have this local uh, Vietnamese as a manager who never probably travel, who doesn't know what's happening out there, who probably just have a Vietnamese degree in hospitality and says, oh, okay, this is a good chance for me to maximize the profit of this organization. So mm-hmm. all I have to do is to register this hotel under quarantine hotels and bring all these guests and lock them up in these rooms and make sure empty mm-hmm. their pockets as any way, as how much is it possible. Right. Yeah, so this person doesn't have her or his brain to come up with the proper quarantine package. Well, I mean, the, the mentality of, of these are the rules and and we're going to enforce them. And I, I, I encountered that mentality a lot when I was in the army. <clears throat> and it just, it drove me absolutely crazy. One thing that just absolutely drives me crazy is rules that exist just to exist. And people who enforce rules and they don't have the first clue as to why the rule is there in the first place. And as asinine as it is, they say, well, it's the rules. I'm just doing my job. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean to go too far down a moral rabbit trail here, but you, you had that mentality among um, Nazi uh, soldiers. Right. They were like uh, the, like Eichmann, Adolf Eichmann. Mm-hmm. When, when I mean, I understand they want to follow the rule, but when they tell me you're not supposed to bring food. Yeah. I mean, and, this, and again, this and is again, it's daylight just, theft. I cannot well, take this. <laughs> well, you have to. <laughs> I mean, They're telling me whatever he, whatever your husband needs, you tell us, and we will tell our purchasing department to go and purchase it. Yeah, for three times the market price. Forget about <laughs> the market price. I mean, yeah. I will be choosing things that you cannot find in Hanoi. We are foreigners. We have to go to places where foreign stuff are there, you know, right, the products. Right, right. So they're going to go, there are a few of them, and those places, they know me. They know the foreigner mm-hmm. customers. So I'm going to tell them so this hotel staff will come and purchase this stuff from you. Yeah. So <laughs> please, I'll buy and keep it here and ask them <laughs> if they are from them. Just give it to them. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, the, just the thing that really bothers me is the rules that contradict common sense or just basic morality and people who just enforce them just because they're rules, not because there's any sense behind them, just because it's a rule. It's it, it, in my mind, it shows a serious uh, lack of. Um, I, I don't know if morality is the right word, but just just um, 
consideration, empathy for other people. Uh, when when you when you're so focused on just following the rules at all costs, and even at the cost of the mental health of your guests, that's problematic. So, and again, I'm not trying to like focus on the negatives here. I, I, the, the point of this podcast isn't to complain incessantly. It, it, the, the purpose was to, uh, in spite of the negative elements of this, of this experience, point out that, you know, within reason and within, within, uh, moral parameters, ethical parameters, you can take something from the commitment and the dedication that these people have shown to following the rules and take that same commitment and borderline fanaticism to your business. So that's, that's, we're not, we're not here to complain. There's plenty to complain about. It just gets to a point. It's like, why, why should we complain? Cause it's not going to, it's not going to do anything. And truth be told, I have six days left of this quarantine and then it's over. And basically it's basically pretty much you're a normal join life. Your second quarantine. Yes, and then 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 the real quarantine will begin. The never ending quarantine. Wow. <laughs> the never ending quarantine of marriage. You just gave the speech of your life. <laughs> the speech to end all speeches. So, honey, how was your day? Perfect. I am perfect. I am treating myself with all the goodness that is available. <laughs> because next Did you, six days, I don't know what's going <laughs> to happen to me in my life. Yeah, you enjoy your freedom for the next six days, because after that, we're both in quarantine together, aren't we? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna consider signing that paper for you to get out of quarantine. <laughs> Okay, so, all right. Well, we're making good progress now. Sana is is leaning towards signing the paper to get me out of here. <laughs> it's ninety degree leaning, not yet hundred eighty degrees leaning. Ninety degrees leaning. Okay, well, it's better than it was uh, two days ago. We had a pretty hard no two days ago. I was minus hundred eighty degree. <laughs> <laughs> You had a hard pass on that the other day. You're just like, nope. You're staying in, a, in that hotel, and you're going to you're going to the army barracks. You're going to. Honey, live did there. I tell you something? I actually forgot. Today I what? got an email that government extended the two weeks quarantine to three. Is that right? Right. Is that only for Americans with brown hair, slightly balding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? You're so smart. Who play American? I knew American, who I'm gonna get married to. Who play American orchestral excerpts in their hotel room yeah yeah i didn't hear that well the communication is done only with me all right through me to you <laughs> do you remember when first few days you came anything you asked them they write an email to me <laughs> please tell mr you come this and that mr jame mr jame <laughs> jamie jame <laughs> Yeah, why can't they? Why can't they just send me an email? They send it to you. All right, sweetness. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we call this a day for this episode? I totally agree with you, bitterness. 
and we'll be back in people's earballs very, very soon. I don't think they really want to hear your voice again. Probably not. They like your voice better than mine. <laughs> I think they are, they are all fed up of both of us, me and you. <laughs> all right. All right, sweetness. We will, uh, and everybody, thanks for pressing play on our little show. Oh, and um, next time, honey, we're going we're gonna to change the name of the podcast. Are you serious? Yes. What? I have no idea. We're going to discuss it in the next episode. All right. So, because there's, there's going to be some changes in the um, the makeup of our business coming soon. So, we're going to discuss it in the next episode. Cinnamon is saying goodbye. Hey, my name is James Newcomb, and as you can hear, my wife and I like to have fun when we press record on these podcasts and we bring this as a service to our clients and would be perhaps prospective clients of our company beaten path media and we are working together to build this business and we're just having a great time doing it and if you are interested in learning more about sauna and myself and what we can offer if you're thinking about getting into the podcasting the youtubing the digital media production game then look us up and I'd love to talk and see if we can help bring you to closer to your goals and bring you and your podcast, your YouTube, your digital media to the next level. Check us out on the web at beatenpath.media. That's spelled B-E-A-T-I-N, path.media. <laughs>